You know, Samsung just released a Galaxy Note 10 and Note 10 Plus with the 855, not the 855 Plus. So this is not an outspec or outdated phone now five months later, surprisingly. I don't think any device is worth $2,000. If you were going to spend $2,000 for any phone, this is the one to do it because you're getting a truly different experience. Welcome to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Andrew Edwards. I am John Rettinger. And Gear Live is your weekly look at the world of consumer electronics and gadgets. And John, we have a big event coming up in just a couple of days. Next week, probably um, the biggest event of the year in tech, would you say? Yeah, I think I think arguably the biggest one. And this is the only podcast that you'll need to know what to expect, when it's happening, where it's happening, and when to run out and buy or not buy. All right. You just made me nervous. I was like, ooh, do, do we have all the information? <laughs> you, I mean, you gave we the have promise. most of the information. We have most of the information. We are going <laughs> to break embargo and there share everything. <laughs> yes. And obviously, we're talking about Apple event happening on Tuesday September 10th, where we expect Apple to announce the brand new iPhones for, you know, the next the next year, the next cycle, which they've done like clockwork for, I think, seven years. It's been now seven or eight years where they've done the iPhone in September. So we wanted to actually talk about, though, not the iPhones, because we talked about it last week and the week before kind of what we expect to see from the the iPhone itself and our predictions for the iPhone 11, 11 Pro, etc. And even your dream, your dream build, the dream the features dream. that you would want to see in an iPhone. But over the past few days, rumors have been uh, percolating and circulating about Apple giving us a one more thing. Which, if, you, if you're unaware, the one more thing is basically something that Steve Jobs started back in 1999 where they do they do their thing they do their spiel they give you all the information and then they they act like it's about to end hey thanks for coming out and then wait a minute we forgot we have one more thing and the crowd goes crazy and it's it's usually something big it's never something like super tiny uh, and small usually it's a giant new product redesign or a completely new product line it's traditionally been that kind of one more thing now john what you just said is true for more recent one more things, but I actually did some research before we started the okay. show and I wanted to kind of go over the history before we talk about what we think the one more thing could be here in September 2019. I wanted to take you back 20 years, 1999, and bring you forward to present day and tell you what each one more thing was. And maybe you can tell me if you think it was deserving of that designation. All right, so prove me wrong, Mr. Edwards. Let's see what we got. All right. So we're going to start at an event called Seabold. I think it's pronounced Seabold. S-E-Y-B-O-L-D, 1999. Steve Jobs on stage. One more thing, the introduction of the Apple Cinema Display. I mean, new product line? New product line. at At the time... It was big. It was a new hardware that Apple was getting into. I believe they got into it because I didn't think anybody was sort of doing displays up to their standards. So they figured mm-hmm. to do it themselves. In retrospect, tiny, minute, didn't matter. But at the time, at the time. probably pretty at the time, probably pretty big. Actually on the stage, I didn't even know Apple made C- like dedicated CRTs, but they showed like a flat screen, not not this like the slick cinema display, but like a flat screen 15 inch. And then Apple also sold 15 and 17 inch CRTs, like the big bulky yeah. CRTs. And so this was 
hey, check this out. Super slim, thin, slick display. So that was the first one. Next. Okay. So that was Seabold 1999. Next. Okay. In the same year, Apple event 1999, they introduced, and this, I didn't even know about this, something called the iMac DV. DV standing for digital video. It had RGB out and it came with <laughs> 10 gig hard drive instead of the smaller hard drive in the regular iMac. This was like the iMac Pro 20 years ago. And yeah. then after doing that one more thing, Steve Jobs said, and now we have one last thing. And there was the iMac DV special edition, which came with, get ready, 128 megabytes of RAM. That's a, crazy. Yes, a 13 gig hard drive instead of a 10 gig hard drive. And a new graphite color. So these were the IMAX that were those big bulbous ones with the, you know, the the colored shells, if you will. So even back then, Apple was charging more for a special color. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Graphite. Even back then, they didn't know what space gray was. Still couldn't figure it out. <laughs> they could have called it space gray because the graphite was gray. It was basically see-through yeah, gray. Was, they should have all made it. was it. close. Lost opportunity right there. Worthy of the title or the designation? I mean, it's, it's big. I mean, they were trying to get sort of merge the TV and the computer into one. Clearly a miss. But I, I, still, I still think worthy of, of one more and the seldom used one last thing. Okay, yes, very seldom. Okay, we're going into Macworld 2000. Now, one thing I want to pay attention to, by the way, look how often this is occurring. So there was two in 1999. Now we're going into 2000. See how often they use one more thing. And how it progresses going forward. Okay. Macworld 2000, San Francisco. One more thing. An update to the Mac OS X UI bringing into into light aqua. That lickable, candy-coated interface for Mac OS or for OS X back in the day. Yeah, weak sauce. Weak sauce. <laughs> now, see, I, I actually felt the opposite when I was watching. I was like, oh, this is this was an iconic look. This I think this was when the Mac started getting like some mainstream attention from people just because it looked so different from Windows 98. So, I mean, so certainly, certainly it looked different. It was important uh, design language, but true. worthy of the one more thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. I say no. I'm, take, I'm taking it back. Okay. Macworld New York 2000, same year. The Power Mac G4 Cube. This was promised to be the merging of the iMac and the Power Mac into its own special category, almost like a pro version of the iMac, the G4 Cube. Uh, 100% worthy of it. Worthy. See, that failed. Totally failed. That failed But hard. at the time, it, I mean, that's a, that was a huge new design language. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. clear plastic case looked like the cube was floating. That was a right. brave, that, that, that actually was a bold move that ended up failing. But as far as uh, look what we can do, I think absolutely worthy of one more thing. It might stand out as one of the most worthy one more things Apple has mm. ever done. Okay. So from a historical perspective, it gets the nod, but as a product, it yeah. didn't, it yeah, didn't do too well. As a product, okay. not as product, not so well, but as like okay. a positioning Apple as sort of the design heads and the design leaders, I think it did a really, really uh, a solid number moving them forward. Okay. Next. Okay, so we went two in 1999, two in 2000. Now we're going to 2001. The only one more thing of 2001, Macworld, San Francisco, the titanium PowerBook G4. 
I was never a power book fan. And I, I know, I know that's an unpopular opinion. I think weak sauce. I, I never, the power books were never anything that I was that into. What about the material though? Titanium. I mean, Apple's bringing titanium Apple's back. Apple's bringing titanium back unless you put it in like a leather case and then it was going to die the titanium. <laughs> I, I think probably worthy, but not exciting to me. Next, Macworld New York 2002. The only one more thing of 2002. It was the lampshade iMac with a 17 inch widescreen display. Previously, it was available in a 15 inch 3x2. Now they're adding in a 17-inch widescreen. 100%. 100%. Was, Those lampshade iMacs were so hot. Dude, they were freaking absolutely fire. And this was something new. This was a new aspect ratio Apple yes. was committing to. And I think, again, it was one of those, we're shifting what we've done to something we're going to do. And here's your sort of reference for it. So I, I think right. absolutely worthy of it. WWDC, the first one at a WWDC, 2003. Apple accidentally, the week prior, leaks their own new product on their website. They put in their store a new product that wasn't supposed to be announced until, <laughs> until WWDC. It was a new Power Mac with completely completely new specs, basically that really? blew this, the last this is totally one out the of the water. I've, first I've heard of that, and that's a big mistake. Yes. That is a giant so mistake. Yeah, yeah. So when when Steve Jobs was talking about it, he started by saying, there's one more thing, and you might have actually heard about it. And he showed the Apple website the previous week, the store, the Apple online store, showing the listing and all the specs right there. And basically, he was like, you know, you might have seen this. You might have thought it was a mistake or if it was true. Well, it's true. It's here. It's real. So new Power Mac. But basically, this is just like a even though it's an extreme spec bump, it was really just a spec bump of a product that already existed. Yeah. I mean, since it already leaked, not worthy. It is not. It is not worthy. <laughs> not worthy. Not worthy. Okay, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Same year, MacWorld 2003. So we're getting a second one more thing. This was the introduction of the 12-inch PowerBook. Now you said you weren't all yeah. about the PowerBook, but if you remember back then, their laptops were 15 inches and 17 inches, and now they were introducing a 12-inch notebook with the exact same size full keyboard worthy not exciting to me but definitely definitely worthy of one more thing it was a new size without limited functionality next the only one more thing of 2004 and i think this may might be my pick for the lamest of all one more things in history at the event macworld 2004 they introduced the ipod mini now, that wasn't the one more thing. They introduced the iPod mini. The one more thing was that it doesn't only come in this gray color. It also comes in four other colors as well. Lame. I can still picture those colors, too, in my head. But lame. Yes. Lame. Extra lame with lame sauce on the side. <laughs> comes in colors. Yeah. <laughs> Why even bother instead of, hey, here's our, right. here's our iPod mini. It's a big deal. It's available in four colors. Exactly. I'm with you on that. Don't don't say one more thing before you announce colors. Okay, Macworld 2005, iPod Shuffle. And that was a big deal. I'm not the biggest Shuffle fan, but it's a new form mm -hmm. factor. I believe it was the first solid-state iPod that they had released. It was something totally yes. new. There was no screen. You kind of got to rely mm -hmm. on whatever it was going to play next. It had the clip on it. I mean, it was, a, it was a cool product. I think absolutely that was worthy of the one more thing. And it was at the lowest price entry point to the very expensive uh, iPod lineup as well. It was, but it was so, 
I don't know. Like when Steve Jobs was announcing it, he was saying the most popular way that people were listening to music at the time was in shuffle and shuffling playlists. But the storage was so small that I don't know. You had like maybe 40 or 50 songs on there. It's just so different nowadays. It's hard to go back and being like, I'm sure at the time I was like, wow, we get 50 songs on this. This is crazy. Whereas now, you know, we have 500 gigs in our pocket in our devices, which, you know, holds thousands of, of pieces of music. So let me ask you, okay. do, do you think Steve Jobs made that up? People are listening to most of their music via shuffle just like because he thought that's, mm, that's, the, way sh- that's the way it should be done. Or is that like based on fact and market research, which he notoriously hated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's I, I would assume if it was true, he was talking about their own data in iTunes rather than the industry as a whole. So people who buy tracks on iTunes or who use iTunes who rip their CDs, this is the way that they like to listen to their music. And so we're making a product for those people. Fair. I'll agree with that. Next, they had a press conference later that year, 2005. And the one more thing was that iTunes would now be selling TV shows. Huge deal. Huge, huge deal. Huge deal. The start of cord cutting. Yeah, I mean that, that was I mean that was really one of the beginnings. It also was a new avenue for for Apple, moving away from just iTunes as a music store and sort of right. changing the way people thought about music. So yeah, I, I think huge uh, paradigm shifting moment for for Apple. Okay, now we go to 2006. I think this was one of the biggest ones ever. The introduction. One more thing: the introduction of the MacBook Pro, the very first MacBook Pro. Yeah, huge. I'm not 100%. Obviously very huge. That was already after the move to Intel, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yes. A giant deal. It was a new product line and sort of now was the, the modern Mac laptops. Yeah. And that, so that was the first Mac laptop to include Intel in it, uh, moving away from the PowerBook line. So wait a minute. So you were into the MacBook Pro, but the PowerBooks, you weren't about those. No, I, I, it was the Intel switch that got me, that, okay. got, that got me excited. All right. Next. It's Showtime 2000. I remember this event. I remember that name. I remember that invite. It's Showtime 2006 event. Apple's one more thing was the ITV later to be renamed before yep. launch the first Apple TV. Yeah, they got sued for uh, for the name. They just went out and said, yes. we're, we're calling it ITV or we call it ITV. I believe is what Steve Jobs said. And someone else owned yes. the trademark. To that. They're like, you are not calling it ITV. <laughs> Yeah, so he he did say on stage, this is our internal code name, ITV. But what do you think? Apple TV, the first one, it was that that larger slab. I thought it was a cool looking device. And, you know, at the time, it was cool being able to have all my iTunes content, but only my iTunes content and Netflix on my TV easily. So if we can back up, it wasn't even all of that. It had local storage. You had to download your iTunes content directly to the Apple yes. TV. And this Correct. was before Netflix. Not even, streaming. Yeah, yes. Before Netflix even came as a, as a streaming option on it. That's all this thing did. I had one. I thought it was interesting and fun. I very rarely used it in practice. Um, but it was mm-hmm. Apple. And one of the first times I think Apple sort of openly beta testing a product. That probably yeah. wasn't ready for mass consumption. It was cool what they did. It was a, a nice design language. It ended up being a spot where my cat would just sleep because it got super hot. <laughs> I would say yes, worthy, but in the pantheon of product launch, it's probably boring for what it actually ended up doing. Okay. I still have mine from back then, 13 years later. 
I just thought it was such a cool product. And the way I actually used it for most of its life, for like eight years of its life, was not connected to a TV, but connected. I had a smart fridge that had a TV, um, like a display built into it. And it had the RCA or whatever you call it, the inputs. And I put the Apple TV on top of the fridge and plugged it into the fridge. So it would always have like a slideshow, that slideshow of the photos. That was basically my use for that Apple TV for for many, many years. And they only they only stopped supporting it like two years ago, which is crazy. Yeah, you may have found the one good use for that, like first OS (laughs) version, uh, first hardware version, uh, Apple TV. Okay, now we're going into 2007. My pick for second lamest. It's not as lame as, hey, this iPod comes in colors, but Safari on Windows. I mean, lame. So, <laughs> so lame. Uh, and I believe that this was the other side of the Microsoft extending Microsoft Office for Mac. I think yeah. the other side was that they had to make Safari available for Windows. Now, I could, could be incorrect on that. I mean, who wants that, though? Super, who want, who's on Windows super wanting lame. Safari? Super lame. Like, Nobody. I mean, especially when, you know, at, at the time, <laughs> my Internet Explorer was so great. Yes. Just, just, just kidding on that one. I don't, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't I want to like, get hate letters. About? Mm-hmm. Firefox was all the rage back then. Firefox was the jam. 2007. All right. That was the only one of 2007, by the way. Safari on Windows. Going into 2008, the only one of 2008 was the MacBook gets a premium finish. So that white plastic MacBook, there was also a black plastic version. Apple created the first MacBook that was metal similar to the MacBook Pro. So basically, you know, better specs, Mm -hmm. but also a much more premium finish than the plastic. So I bought that one for my wife. I loved that computer. That computer was one of the most easily upgradable laptops. Had that little panel that slid off. I was able to put in an SSD in that, upgrade the RAM for mm-hmm. her. That computer was amazing. I think absolutely worthy of one more thing. It was a totally new design. Uh, but I do want to show some love to those plastic MacBooks. I wanted that black plastic oh, yeah. MacBook so badly. It looked amazing. And I hope they bring that design language back somehow or bring back a pure black laptop because they did it really well. Now, you're not asking them to bring black plastic, though, just no. to be clear. You want... Black. Like a, a anodized black. Anodized black? Oh, looks so good. I, I color-weared matte black, one of the 12-inch MacBooks. Oh, did you? Yeah, and it looked so good. It looked so wow. good. Do you still have that? I gave it away. Mm, it sounds, that sounds cool. I want, was, I want to see. The, we did a video on it. I gave it away. I think uh, I think Mark Lansangan is uh, the new proud owner of that. I loved it. I thought it looked amazing. I would love to see them bring that back again. I agree. Okay, moving on to 2009. The only one more thing of 2009. Now, again, notice it was multiple times a year. And now we've kind of gone down to once a year. 2009, Apple's music event. So their September event. It was. So Steve Jobs announced this as a free upgrade, which made no sense. It was an eight gigabyte video camera because they were getting they wanted to compete with the the flip cameras of the world. And they introduced a new iPod Nano with a widescreen <laughs> and video camera and mic built in to the Nano. I remember that one. It came in a really awesome red color. Totally ridiculous product. Absolutely ridiculously <laughs> yes. insane product. But in Steve Jobs' mind, I get why it was a one more thing and sort of that had sort of had that moniker associated with it. But just a ridiculous product overall. But I mean, everybody was – remember those fl- – you, you have to remember those flip cameras. Dude, my early videos were filmed on a Minnow. I love those flip okay. cameras. So for Apple wanted to compete there. They didn't have the, the little pop-out USB or anything, but 
<laughs> everybody carried an iPod at the time. I For mean, me, yeah, fair. I was always more about the the biggest iPod I could get. So that would be the iPod Classic. I wanted to carry around the most music possible. And so the iPod Nano, like I would buy them to do videos, but then they would just sit around. I would never actually use them. Were you an iPod Nano user? Yeah, I mean, I, I did use did use a Nano. I'm not that big of a music guy, in all honesty. So the, having that many songs was never a giant deal to me. Okay. Okay, we're going on to 2010. This was a big one, I think. Apple introduced at WWDC 2010. One more thing. Please turn your Wi-Fi off. Turn your MiFi's off. Close your laptops. I need all the bandwidth we can get because I'm announcing FaceTime video calls. Huge deal. Giant. iPhone 4. Giant deal. Huge deal. FaceTime was am- still continues to, yeah. be, to be amazing. Video chat existed before FaceTime. It'll exist after FaceTime. FaceTime brought it to the masses and from launch worked as advertised. To me, it was always like that iPhone 4 was so cool, but holding in your hand this tiny device, super thin glass metal that lets you talk face to face with anyone else on the planet who had the same device to me at the time, which is mind blowing. Now, since then, I'm one like how many times have I used FaceTime Let's see, this was 2010. So in the past nine years, how many times have I used FaceTime? Have I even used it 100 times in nine years? I don't think so. But it was such a change. Like for people, maybe I'm just not someone who, who wants to communicate that way. But for people who do, maybe you have like a new child or especially for people who are deaf and they could FaceTime each other, see each other and have a conversation using yeah. sign language. So cool. Yeah, I use FaceTime all the time. I love it. It also, the people who were living across the world talk to each other without having to worry about long distance calls. You know, Skype was really the option for that. Uh, It no longer became something that was necessary. I think FaceTime, absolutely worthy of the one more thing. One of the most worthy, actually, I would say. Okay, so that was 2010. Later in 2010, Apple Music event, they introduced the second gen Apple TV. So the first version of the smaller black puck that we know the Apple TV to be now, that was introduced 2010. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely worthy of apps. It was hundred percent that, that was, that's the modern Apple TV essentially with a better remote. Yes. (laughs) Yes. The better remote. That one had the, the silver, the silver remote, Mm -hmm. not the, the weird touch one we have now. Yeah. The silver and black. There was a third one more thing in 2010. They had an event called Back to the Mac, and they introduced the second-gen MacBook Air. So basically, pretty much the same MacBook Air that we have today. So not the first one with like the little hinge on the side that he took out of a, an envelope, but the one that was unibody, which has lasted for, you know, again, you know, almost a decade. Yeah, I mean, absolutely worthy. It got rid of that little flip door with the one USB port. It put actual ports on the yep. side. It was the MacBook Air that we had until this year, until until it got a redesign. Right. MacBook Air was obviously huge for Apple, huge for... Their best-selling Mac. Yeah, clearly worthy of one more thing. I agree. The final one more thing that Steve Jobs ever gave us was at WWDC 2011. Probably a bust, I don't know. It was iTunes match. And the cool thing about iTunes match was that this was before Apple music. You could sync your music library. So anything you've ripped, anything you downloaded, even if you didn't buy it from Apple, you could match it with Apple's library and you would get 
the version, the higher quality version in most cases, Apple will basically give you those tracks rather than, you know, your potentially lower quality versions. Yeah, I remember being excited for that at the time and then not caring very quickly afterwards. So not being a music guy, that really didn't do it for me. <laughs> so, okay, so that was WWDC 2011. Last one from Steve Jobs. Apple obviously didn't stop having events. Again, they're having one next week. It took them three years from 2011 to 2014 to use one more thing after Steve Jobs' death. It was Spring Forward event 2014. The first one more thing post Steve Jobs was the Apple Watch. I mean, yes, obviously, I mean, Apple Watch, huge deal. Clearly worthy of one more thing. Category defining device and best selling device by far in its category to where similar to the iPad and the iPod, it's hard to even name what second place even is. Agreed. Completely agree. Okay. Then WWDC 2015. So a year later, one more thing Apple introduces finally stepping into the space. Apple music. Huge deal. I mean, they had been rumored forever trying to compete with, with Pandora yeah. and Spotify. Giant deal. 100% Apple Music. They bought Beats. Yeah. And then, yeah, I agree. Apple Music was a big deal. And Apple Music now actually has overtaken Spotify in the United States to be the most popular streaming music service in the U.S. It has not overtaken it worldwide. Spotify still has a lead there. But it's a pretty big deal to take over in the U.S. Yeah, staggering. We consider how big Spotify was. Yeah, exactly. And then the last one that we had would be Apple event 2017. So two years ago, it was the iPhone 10. Yes, I think the iPhone 10 was in the best announcements Apple's had in you know, yeah. probably the past decade. 100% iPhone 10 might have been leaked. Probably weren't that many surprises. Still an amazing phone that a lot of people are probably still using. Also, I would say category defining as well. A lot of manufacturers kind of rushed to try and replicate a lot of the look and feel of the iPhone 10 for their own devices. But one thing I want to point out. So when we started this conversation, you said one more thing was reserved for the best of the best. And I feel like certainly that applies to the more recent ones, but it didn't start out that way. Obviously, since the passing of Steve Jobs, especially Apple has only used this three times in eight years. And the speculation is that there's going to be one more thing next week. And so seeing what they've done since Steve Jobs passing it was the Apple Watch, Apple Music and iPhone 10. It would lead me to believe that if it was something big or if, it, if there was a one more thing, it would have to be something that kind of matches up with those other three announcements, something huge, something category changing. Agreed. So what what could that be? So there are a bunch of rumors of stuff floating around. There's, and the often rumored that it was already canceled, AR glasses. I don't think Apple's mm-hmm. getting into that game. Although there's been some icons that have leaked out in iOS betas. I don't think Apple's doing that. There's been rumors of their little tracking tile competitor. That doesn't yep. seem like a one more thing type product. That seems like something that just shows up on the store one day or maybe gets mm-hmm. five minutes in the keynote. And I could be wrong about that. So what could be... Apple's one more thing. And I know it's, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to give a bold guess. This isn't a prediction, but here's a bold guess. It's not a spoiler either. And not a spoiler. And I have a few thoughts and and other ideas. 
So Apple's been rumored to be in some different phases of developing some sort of car. And yeah. I think it's a safe assumption to say we will never see an Apple-branded car. What I think we could see is Apple taking control of some of the hardware inside of cars. So mm-hmm. much like we have with Volvo's offshoot Polestar and soon to be Volvo, Android is running their whole interior system. It's based on Android. It looks like Android's got an app store. If okay. we saw an Apple-based in-car you know, head unit, in-car OS that was coupled with Apple's hardware for level three autonomous driving, I think that would make a lot of sense. Probably a few years off. But if Apple was going to get into cars without buying someone like Tesla or another mm-hmm. car manufacturer, I think that would be how they would they would do it. So that's a wild that's a wild thought. Apple car. Apple not not a car, not a not an Apple branded car, but Apple basically serving as the the OS and the interface and the the hardware in the cabin. Correct. And I would even go so far as to suggest a launch partner for this. And I would say, Ooh. and I would say BMW. BMW. Mm. Uh, would mm. be the ideal launch partner for Apple. It slots into that premium brand. They have a wide swath of products ranging for different price points. BMW's current iDrive system is horrible. BMW has worked yeah. closely with Apple in the past. One of the only manufacturers, one of, I believe, two that's offering a wireless CarPlay uh, right now. So I think BMW right. would make sense. And the next crazy idea is I think Apple TV Plus is running up against a huge trouble of not having their own IP. They don't have okay. Marvel characters. They don't have Disney characters. They don't have video games to base their shows off of. They're starting yeah. from no intellectual property. So, and they're going to be running into a problem, especially when it comes to price. If they are going to charge at rumor $9.99, I think it's destined to mm-hmm. fail. So either Apple TV Plus is free for iPhone owners for a year, or Apple announces they are buying either a movie studio or some brand with intellectual property, like buying Hasbro or even something crazy, buying Netflix. Mm-hmm. They just took on, they just sold actually seven, or excuse me, bought $7 billion of debt. So they're, they're already extremely cash rich. They took on $7 billion yeah. of debt on top of that. So they've got it. What does that mean? So essentially. Why would they do that? Essentially, it's cheaper. They're making more on the interest in the bank than they're paying on interest to borrow money. Oh, that's funny. So they're making money by having money. So they have an extra $7 billion. That's a lot of money to throw around for something. So those are your two predictions. The car? Crazy thoughts. Out of the blue, what could be huge for Apple? I mean, it's probably, yeah. probably going to be the tiles. Would be, would be my guess. Uh, or, or something super lame. But if they were to do something shocking, that would certainly be shocking. Oh, my God. So for people who may not know, Apple is rumored to be announcing. It seems like it's, you know, it's rumored, but it seems like it's a sure thing. Something called Apple Tags, where in the Find My app, you'll be able to find your friends. You'll be able to find your lost iPhones or, you know, Apple devices. And then there'll be a third area where you can locate your tag. So basically, what Apple will sell you. Um, a tracker that you can attach to your luggage or your wallet or anything that you want to keep tabs on where it is and you know where it might be in case you lose it. Apple's going to sell these. And I don't think like I feel like it's a cool accessory, but I don't think based on, you know, the previous, you know, eight years of how sparingly they've used one more thing. It can't be that it cannot be tags. That'd be crazy. I agree. I think it would be super weak if they did that. Yeah, I was thinking 
you know, AR glasses, I, I think they are going to go that route. I do think AR, they've been investing in talking about AR more than almost any other company that I can think of other than Microsoft. It seems like, and there's so much smoke there, there has to be some sort of fire there. I would assume they're working on this. I don't know if that's going to be one more thing, you know, next week, but I was also wondering, could it be an Apple foldable device? Could no. they surprise us with a preview? So not, hey, this is going to be available next week or next month, but here's our take on what a foldable might be. Because I feel like the car is happening. I feel like it's happening. But I'm just wondering, like, is it too soon? Like, these things, like, we, we haven't heard any rumblings about, here it is. It's almost here. This is what Apple's going to announce. Like, when the Apple Watch was coming, everyone knew Apple Watch is coming. Apple Music, everyone knew. iPhone 10, so many leaks. For this one, it's like, what is it? There, there's no, there's nothing. Since there's, since there's nothing, it almost feels like it could be anything. I mean, it could absolutely be anything. I mean, Apple doesn't even have an in-screen fingerprint reader yet. Right. I don't think right. they would jump right to foldable, but man, it would fit the bill of something, something exciting. So you gave your predictions. Yes. What do you want it to be? If it could be something of your choosing. Like, I feel like the foldable device, if it was up to me out of all those things, show me a foldable. So I, I think the foldable would be amazing. Selfishly, I'm in the market for a new car. My lease is up in December. So I would love it to be that. I think that would be very cool. I think it would push the car market forward like Apple does for, for phones and laptops. Yeah. So I think that would be, would be very cool. We will obviously find out in a couple of days. Like you said, this, these were our predictions. These are not spoilers. This is not inside information, which is a fun conversation to ponder what might be coming next and also take a look back at uh, the history of Apple. So let's take a break. And then afterwards... We're going to talk about another foldable, the return of the Samsung Galaxy Fold. It's coming up next on Geared Up. Welcome back to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Andrew Edwards, and it is now time for the National Car Rental Story of the Week. As you know, Geared Up is sponsored by National Car Rental. And if you don't know, I also do a show with National Car Rental on YouTube called technically speaking, where I bring you the latest, my picks for the best tech for business travel, whether you're business traveling or even whether you're going for leisure travel, there's a lot of tech out there that can make your travel more efficient or even more fun. You can check these episodes out at the nationalcar.com control center or go to youtube.com slash national car rent. The latest tech puts you in the driver's seat. National Car Rentals Emerald Club will keep you there. Big shout out to National Car Rental for sponsoring Geared Up. All right, John, let's right. talk about the return of a device that you have told me many times that you can't wait to get back into your hands, the Galaxy Fold. All right, so I'm taking the driver's seat here. There aren't that many things that I reviewed over the years that like, I can't be objective about. You and I, one of the few, had the Galaxy Fold, yeah. had the ability to use it for a week before it got recalled and retooled. I loved that phone so much. And I think it showed the best of what Android can be. It showed that Android can be different. Android's a platform for experimentation. It was an amazingly useful device. It was a perfect gym phone. You know, be able to put on the, the treadmill or the bike and watch Netflix mm -hmm. on and then close it up and take it with you. I am, I was saddened to my core 
when the fold was, was canceled and not canceled. And I cannot wait for the return of the, return the, the, the triumphant return of the Galaxy <laughs> Fold. Now, what, five months later? Rumored to be coming very soon. It's already out in Korea, I believe. Yes, it is. Today. Today. So today, yes. September 6th. Uh, and coming later in the month for the U.S., it's a really cool device. And I think Samsung could have avoided all these problems. They would have called it the Galaxy Fold Developer Edition, and that's it. Mm-hmm. It's a developer edition. You know, the Fold was cool, no doubt. The handling of the Fold by Samsung, very poor, in my opinion, very sure. poor. The fact that reviewers found things within 48 hours that Samsung QA hadn't found in you know how long Samsung knew about the fold way longer than reviewers had it in their hands poor and then they're like okay we're gonna fix it we're gonna re-engineer this we're gonna make sure there's no problems before we release it which kudos to them I applaud them for that but then they announce it's back they announce new dates and the next day I get an email because I was one of the few who did not cancel my order I was like, you know what? I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and I'll wait. I get an email saying, we're canceling your order because we need to rethink the entire customer experience, including purchasing, unboxing, and service. And they gave no additional details as to what that meant. They did give me a $250 coupon for canceling the order, which is cool. But yeah. I want the fold. So now I have to get back in. Like last time when I placed that order, I had to like rush, make sure I was on, you know, on the computer at the right time, just like an Apple launch. I want to get the phone that I want. I want to get the color I want. I got it. It went through. I'm paid. I'm good. And now I have to do it again. I mean, so that's Samsung. That's come on. So can I, can I share Why? some, can I share some inside baseball on Samsung oh, hands handling the fold? So, and this is an example of Samsung trying to do right by reviewers. So when we went to that event, in New York to see the fold and they gave it to us. We were the first that had ever touched that device and they didn't have us retail units ready. They brought the very first off the line, essentially that I believe were meant to the European market to us, to give us to take. Right. And what those didn't have on them that the U S versions had, and we saw, we've seen these since was a warning label, not to remove the screen protector. So the U S versions had that in their rush Mm -hmm. to get us, the units, they gave us versions that did not have the proper branding that they usually would right. have. And that's where we saw issues with Ingo's Marquez and others, uh, Todd Hazelton, that were peeling off the screens. So I think that could have been fixed, but also with Samsung trying to do right, trying to get this new device into people's hands as quickly. So I can see both sides of that. The hinge was definitely a problem, and there's no way around it. Dust and dirt was definitely going to get in and, in there. So what yeah. Samsung has done to fix that, they put caps on either end to sort of limit the ingress and egress. The sort of the big gap that was between both screens when folded has gotten smaller. And now mm-hmm. that plastic layer that everybody thought was a screen protector is now where it should be under the bezel of the phone. Right. Which to me, this is a much better piece of hardware now. Yes. Uh, agreed. The fact that this happened resulted in a much better and much more durable, you know, device. And I I agree. Ordinarily, I'd say, well, now it's five months later. The processor should be different. You know, Samsung just released a Galaxy Note 10 and Note 10 Plus with the 855, not the 855 Plus. So this is not an out-spec'd or outdated phone now five months later, surprisingly. I don't think any device is worth $2,000. If you were going (laughs) to spend $2,000 for any phone, this is the one to do it because you're getting a truly different experience. 
I mean, this is also the only one that is selling for two thousand dollars. Correct. So it's your only it's your only option if you want to buy a two thousand dollar phone. Unless you want some uh, um, some gold plated action. So can I literally shift gears? And I, I want to ask you a question. So as an EV driver, okay. who I believe you own now, what seven model uh, seven model three? <laughs> so the story behind that is I bought a model three, the regular model three, and the rollout was not announced. Like, here's how we're going to like roll out our different versions. And so we knew that if you wanted the entry level, for example, it was going to be like another year and a half before you could buy one of those. So I bought the one that was, you know, available right away. And then like two months later, Elon was like, Hey, performance model is coming in two weeks. I'm like, wait, what? Like, I thought that was going to be a year away. I, I wouldn't have bought what I bought if I knew that was coming. And so that whole FOMO thing kicks in. You know how it is. FOMO kicks in. And I'm like, listen, I love my car and now I hate it. (laughs) And I I want the one that I would have bought in the first place. And so I ordered the, you know, every single option that I could get that was available. And I bought a performance model. And then I put the original one I bought on the market. And it took me like, you know, a couple months to sell it. So I have one model three. It is the performance model, and I have uh, I do have a Model Y. I don't know if you call it pre-order. I have a deposit down on it, but it's refundable if I change my mind. So that's a lot of cars. But I, I, <laughs> yes, I, it is. I, I mean, I can understand it, and you know, if you've got the means to do it, I probably would have done the same thing. So I've been driving electric now for almost six years. Uh, I had a Model S pre-autopilot, uh, and now drive a Model X. And I should give a okay. caveat that I have three kids. My oldest is just about six. My middle is three and a half, and I've got a three-month-old. And I and t- you have white seats. So, honestly, the white seats have been the most durable of anything I've had. The white seats look brand That's amazing. The white seats look brand new. That's cool. So, very, very impressed with their, their synthetic materials. So, my lease is up in December. I need a car that I can sometimes drive three in, comfortably, but I drive two because I take my kids to work. And I want to go electric. You know, I'm filming... Yeah. In Claremont, uh, for those that don't know, I film in the same studios with John Morrison from TLD Today, Kevin Kenson, and across the hall from Austin Evans. And they're what's a wonderful, creative place to film, but it's also fifty miles away. So I take okay. so I take my kids to school, drive out to Claremont, and then drive home. So I need a car with a decent amount of range. And it's tough, by the way. As an aside, you said you've been driving EV for six years. Is that correct? Correct. correct. Okay, I've been driving electric for three, six, I think seven years. It's really hard once you have electric and once you like don't have to go to the gas station ever yeah. to when it's time to get a new car to go back to not electric, to go back to something gas powered. Would you agree? A hundred percent agree. Uh, I love it for the instant torque. I love it for carpooling stickers. I love it because I never have to go to the gas station. And I also, uh, also like that it's green. I have solar on my roof, so I charge my car for free. It's amazing. I'm, yeah. I'm driving it for, for no no fuel cost. So I'm trying to decide what car to get. Now, December's a tricky time. So the Model Y is not coming till at the earliest next October, November. The Model 3 is a perfect choice. I have a really hard time fitting three car seats in it. It's a hard mm-hmm. one. It's so a you har- tried this. I've tried it. Yeah. You know? I think three car seats is going to be tough it's, in a Model 3. It's too, it's too tight. Uh, I have a deposit. put the youngest in the front. Yeah, I've got a reservation for a Model Y. So it's hard to find the right car. But one, so speaking of EVs and my, my search to find a car, one new car that got announced looks amazing. And I had a deposit for it 
before when it was just the Mission E, and I now have to cancel it because there's no way I could fit kids in it, and it's also insanely expensive. The Porsche, <laughs> yes, the Porsche Taycan, Taycan, looks amazing. I think it's, if not the best looking car on the road, it's hands down the best looking EV on the road. So what uh. do you, what do you think about the Taycan design first, and then the weird nomenclature and pricing of keeping the Turbo and Turbo S lines that Porsche usually has in their families? Okay, so before I answer any of this, let me divulge and admit to the world that I am an EV guy and I am someone who is way more about the cabin of my vehicle than anything else. So what I mean by that is I honestly don't even know the definition of what a pound foot of torque is. I, I, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that means. So I'm not what I'm saying is I'm not a car guy. I'm a tech guy and I love my Tesla because I can put it in autopilot and a car driving itself to me is really cool tech, futuristic tech. I love pushing the gas pedal down and going fast, but I have no like I don't know like car terms. So when it comes to vehicles, I want them to be cool. I want them to be techie. The rest of it, I'm kind of not. I'm just not well versed in. So I think the new Porsche looks amazing visually. Visually, it's stunning. I think it's really cool. But the second, the second they announced the price, yeah, it became like it became like a, a Lamborghini or a Maserati. It became one of these cars that is like, okay, I'll see these sometimes, but this is not the car for the average person it's certainly not even the car for if you like if you want to use the word prosumer it's not it's not a car for the prosumer person like who has 180 something thousand dollars to spend on a car not many people no like th- these are millionaires multimillionaires who are buying this thing and so you know the second i saw that it was like okay this is really This is out of reach for almost, not even almost. I would say, I feel almost, I feel very confident saying this is out of reach for every single person I know with the exception of maybe two people in my life. Like, and that's tough. Like, because then it becomes, it's not, it's not, it's almost like it's not a real product at that point. Because you're never going to see these. I I agree. I I completely agree. The the pricing they initially said was going to start around 85, which is still expensive. And then they announced. Wait, so it's supposed to initially start at eighty five thousand, and then it eight, jumped to one hundred eighty five. Now, supposedly they'll they'll announce the regular Taycan, or that, and then probably the Taycan S. But starting with the Turbo and the Turbo S, they obviously went for the very high end first. So, like the thirty five thousand dollar Model Three, we may see this eighty five thousand dollar version at some point, but it may not be for a very very long time. Wow. So did they, or do they have a plan? So Tesla's plan was always okay. Listen. We're announcing this vehicle. It's going to be very expensive, but it's going to lead us to this next vehicle, which will still be expensive, but not as much. But then as we sell those, that's going to allow us to build this other vehicle, which is our goal. Our goal is to get to where we can sell these for a price that the average person out there can likely afford. And this is our roadmap to get there. Yep. Has Porsche put out 
like a similar sentiment? No, and Porsche's man plan is very different. You know, Tesla and Elon Musk have said their master plan is to sort of further the development of electric transportation. Like that's they just want more people driving EVs. Porsche wants more people driving Porsches, uh, and certainly the the, the okay. Porsche brand is is a, of a probably a higher tier overall. So they're not. I don't think they're operating on grander. You know, we want to save the world. I think they're saying, okay, things are going electric. Let's build the best electric Porsche we can and go from there. So then the next car up after Taycan is an electrified Porsche Macan. You know, they're smaller SUV mm. below the Cayenne. So they are going to go that more mainstream route, but they're starting with that sort of giant halo flagship. So I assume you're going to get your money back. Like the Porsche, Porsche is out for you. At yeah. This point. Oh yeah. I've, I've already, I've already asked to, to get that back. I was interested in it because it was shipping this year. No interest in it now. It's it's too small for, for my lifestyle. And it's also way too big for my budget. So that being said, you have three months to decide on your next vehicle based on the latest information from Porsche. Do you know what direction you're looking? I find it infuriating that the Model S and the Model X, you know, the bigger sedan and the SUV and Tesla's lineup, more, more expensive than the Model 3 are inferior technologically. Uh, the screen is slower and lower resolution. It can't take advantage of the level three supercharging. You can't use your phone as a key. You don't have the option for a card as a replacement for a key. All these things. Uh, so I'm, I'm optimistic and hoping that the Model S gets an update before my lease is up. I have the option to extend- In three months. In three months. So I'm hoping Q4 rush. I can't imagine anybody's buying Model S's or even Model X's knowing that there's probably a refresh coming and the technology is out of date. I have the option of extending my lease up to six months. So hopefully by the time next June rolls around, there will be something in the electric world that suits my needs. Okay. My fingers are crossed for you. I don't, I don't, I don't know that it's going to happen. But fingers are crossed for you. So if there's no redesign, though, are you just going to go S or X anyway? No, I, I don't know. I'm going to extend the lease and, and see what happens come June. You know, I was looking at, you know, I love like the Rivian truck looks awesome, but that's not going to come till the end yeah. of the year. So I have a Model Y deposit. That's not coming till later. I have really have no idea uh, what I would do. Okay. We we're going to follow up on this saga in future episodes. So there you have it. That is this week's episode of geared up obviously next week it's going to be all about the apple announcements and we'll see if either of our predictions were correct for the one more thing but until next week thank you so much for listening i'm andrew edwards i am john rettinger and we will see you next week